I was a terror since the public school era. Bathroom passes, cutting classes, squeezing asses. Smoking blunts was a daily routine since 13. A chubby nigga on the scene. I used to have the tray deuce and the deuce deuce in my bubble goose. Now I got the Mac in my knapsack, lounging black, smoking sacks up and axe and sidekicks with my sidekicks, rocking slide kicks. Honey's wanna chat, but all we wanna know is where the party at. And can I bring my jack? If not, I hope I don't get shot. Better throw my best on my chest. Hola, you're listening to another episode of Life in Paradise podcast with me, your host, Brandon Harper. Today is Monday, July 25th, 2022. It is a blazing 99.99 degrees outside because that's as high as my thermometer goes. It's too hot. Just like I tell Gypsy. It's too hot. It's too hot to go outside and play. But you didn't come here to hear me grab about the weather. In case you didn't know, I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions. So I come here whenever I can to get them off my chest. Unfortunately, I've been working every single day for the last five or six weeks, so I haven't been able to do this as frequently as I'd like because it doesn't pay me. Well, I guess technically my other job really doesn't pay me much either, but I've committed to doing that first, so that's what I do. If this is your first time listening, welcome. You'll realize that I have lots of opinions. Some you'll agree with and some you won't, and that's okay. My overall goal is to present issues and information in hopes to inspire you to do your own research. I think that we're living in such a world of being fed information that we just take everything as it comes. And really, we should question everything. Yes, everything, even the science. And if there's two things to know about me, it's number one, that I don't do pre-recorded intros. And number two, that I think that we can all disagree without being disagreeable. I know that's a lofty goal, but if I can do it, you can too. Got some great things to talk about today. Going to touch on inflation, the Texas governor race, the White House changing the definition of inflation, a crypto update, some Biden talk, and some Nancy Pelosi trades. And more than likely, I'll sprinkle in some rabbit holes that have nothing to do with anything along the way. I'd like to welcome those new listeners from around the world, man. I have this little cool map that shows where everyone tunes in from. Man, I got people in India, Pakistan, the country of California, Brazil. It's been pretty cool to see all these people pop up. So if you're from a different part of the earth and you'd like to send me an email, you can email me at brandontheharper, H-A-R-P-E-R, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, that's enough intro rambling. Sit back, relax, and let me run the mouse for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. Said he had beef, asked me if I had my piece. Sure do, two twenty-twos in my shoes. Holla if you need me, love, I'm in the house. We are living in some crazy times, y'all. I know I say this a lot, but every day that goes by, I feel more and more this way. I don't know if it's because we have access to so much information or that there is actually things happening around me that seem like we're in a freaking movie. And most of what I have to talk about today, I feel like would be entirely unbelievable if I rewound time to the early 1990s and told you all the things I brought today. But you be the judge of that. 
You should listen to everything with a critical eye. And maybe I'm wrong on a lot of this stuff, and I'm okay with that. Because if we all just shared our opinions and were respectful about it, we wouldn't be fighting over things that don't matter. You see, these arguments that people make, they turn into a religion. Used to, you weren't allowed to talk about politics, religion, and her. I think that may, maybe that was an old country and western song. But either way, it's like now everything fits into politics or religion. People become so passionate about their opinions. And they, they claim that they're open and accepting and willing to welcome new diversity and ideas unless it goes against what they, what they believe. And it's mind-boggling to me that people can sit around and bash people for not being open-minded or critical, and they, they're the same themselves. They're, they're typically worse. To take, take abortion, for example, right? These people that say that they're open-minded and everything's open, just so open and open and free and open. Well, they're not open to the idea of people wanting to live in states that don't allow abortion. Now, I'm not here saying that, like, we should outlaw abortion, we should ban it. I have mixed feelings about abortion. I've gone into that before. I'm not going to go into it today. But I think that everyone should have a choice. And if people want to live in a state where they can abort babies and throw them down the drain, that's not for me. But go ahead. You can live there. If some people want to live in states where they hold life a little bit more valuable and they say, hey, we're not, we're not going to be doing that. We're going to hold people to a higher standard. We're going to hold people accountable for the decisions. We understand a lot of you might not like it, and that's okay. You're allowed to leave. So me, having conservative values, I feel like I am more open-minded because I want choices than these people, these, these politicians, AOC, they, they go up to and they pretend like they're protesting. They create a scene so they can pretend like they're being arrested. For what? Well, I don't understand the purpose behind this. If you don't like the rules where you are, just move. That's the beauty of America. It's 50 little states. All of them should be different in the way that they do things and the way they operate. And everyone should have the right to move freely between them, and we do. And that's a good thing. See, I, I'm fine with there being states with abortion and states not being abortion. So talk to me about being open-minded, please. But my whole point is that people are, are getting to the point where they cannot see the other side of the spectrum. And I've said it all along, and I'll continue saying it, but our core values of how we think the country should look are diverging. They're, they're moving apart from each other. If you could plot them on a chart with your X and your Y axis, and those two lines are moving to the right, they started out almost on the same plane moving together and then they would kind of go apart a little bit and they would come back together and they go apart and they would come back together and now i picture both lines one of them's pointed up at a 45 degree angle and the other one's pointed down at a 45 degree angle and because of the the inclines are so steep they're never going to correct back to to get to the same view of how the country should be we have one group of people that visualizes keeping things the way they are and fighting to, to not change things. We have another group of people who's fighting to change things as much or as fast as they possibly can. And as long as both of those paths continue, they'll never converge. They'll never end up back on the same plane. And to me, that's kind of terrifying. 
I don't know what the future holds. Uh, I listened to or watched a, a, a YouTube video this morning about uh, a divorce, a red and a blue divorce, meaning certain states are going to be you know, 100% red, other states are going to be 100% blue. And I don't think our forefathers had that in mind, but I think that is just the first step to, to a true division. And you know what? I realize that a lot of times I say some of the same stuff, and I do it intentionally, or I realize that I've talked about it before, but I feel like that a lot of this stuff, you can't just digest it after hearing it one time. It doesn't always just make sense, and I'm the same way. So I appreciate people that I listen to, you know, repeating their their feelings or their sentiments and, and, and breaking it down, and that will help you have a thorough understanding. Or if you disagree with what I'm saying, it will further prove that I'm an idiot. And so that, that's why a lot of times I kind of touch on the same topics. I always try to have a different angle. I always try to, to tie it back in to give you a little bit of a different perspective than what the mainstream media or the, all the YouTubers are saying because I feel like all those guys just say the same things over and over. So my goal is to be a little bit more enlightening uh, with my opinion and and kind of show you the the shadows of the things that a lot of people don't talk about. And so with that in mind, I'm going to talk a little bit about inflation. I know that you've been hearing inflation and inflation, inflation, inflation. It's, you know, all the media they love to talk. They loves. They loves to talk about. No, they love to talk about it because it gets clicks. And clicks to media companies mean money. In fact, I have another story I'm going to touch on here in a second about that. But first, we're going to talk about inflation. A lot of people don't actually understand what the inflation measures. You hear that it's X percent or Y percent or up this much or down that much. And so I'm going to give you just a, a ELI-5 of what inflation actually is. And for those boomers, ELI-5 means explain like I'm five. So inflation. Inflation measures the rate at which prices are changing over time. I know that sounds like a stupid, boring gobbledygook definition so let me give you an example right now well the the july inflation or sorry the june inflation numbers which were announced in july were 9.1 percent what does that mean does that mean that the prices of everything went up 9.1 percent in a month no it's not what it means inflation as you'll hear on announced in, the, in all the media is a is an increase in a basket of goods and so when I say a basket of goods, I, and it, it doesn't matter all the details, but picture a, a grocery cart, and it's got staples in it, like flour, sugar, eggs. You got some fuel for your car. You throw rent in there. So it measures the price changes of this common basket of goods. That way we have an accurate representation because if one month we measure the price of carrots and next month we me measure the price of makeup, we won't get an accurate reading because carrots and makeup have different inputs and different costs associated with them and, and that sort of thing and so, so somebody out there who's way smarter than me picks this basket of goods and we measure the price changes and there's basically two components to the cpi well there's more than that but cpi the consumer price index there's two main numbers that you'll hear tossed around that's the month over month and the year over year now, the one that everyone talks about is the year-over-year. Year. That's the one that's like been the 9.1%. It was 8-point-something last month. And so that measures the price of that basket of goods compared to the same date on the year before. 
So right now we're at 9.1%. So as of July 1st or June 31st, the price of that basket's gone up by 9.1%. Now, we look at month over month to give us a short-term snapshot, and it shows us what has been happening you know, the, the, over the last month. So if we see a month over month of 1%, 1% now we do, we do what's called annualizing. We take that and we multiply it times 12 and say, okay, if that rate continues, if the price of eggs went up 1% from June to July, at that pace – by the time the next year comes around, it'll be at 12%. So that's how we figure out the annualized rate based on the month to month. So I know it's kind of gets it gets kind of con- confusing and silly. Just remember, when you hear month over month, think about it like that was just last month. When you hear the inflation rate is 9%, that's over the course of the last year. So by default, what happens is we start to see that number coming down unless prices continue to go up, right? So let's just break down the math. If we were up 9% over this time last year, in order for it to read 9% in July of 2023, that means we'd be up 18% over the course of two years. So once we start seeing prices come down a little bit, you'll see the number come down because it's elevated each month from June of 21 to July of 21 to August of 21. And so eventually it has to come down. I'll tell you what, if we see 9% at this time next year, we're going to have way bigger fish to fry, as my papa used to say. I don't see the need to sit here and speculate and try to predict what's going to happen because there's so many components that go into this thing that we can't know. A lot of people think it's going to start turning down, and I, I hope they're right because – in order to stop inflation, right now the Federal Reserve, which is basically who's the boss of all the money in the U.S., they they decide how much money gets printed, how interest rates go, and all that. So right now their solution is to increase interest rates. And as you increase interest rates, you disincentivize people to stop spending money. And typically, money spending that's caused by low interest rates is what pushes up inflation. Remember, if you have more money than you have things out there, the prices will go up. And I honestly think that all the COVID money has kind of reached, it's it's petered out, right? So what happens during these things is that the government prints all this money, they give it to everyone, and then they spend it all, and it goes away. And that's that's exactly how a government subsidy works. The money ends up back in the hands of the rich people. It helps Poor people, working class people, temporarily. Because they get it, they spend it, they live life, and then the money's gone, and now the price of everything goes up. It's a, it's a long cycle. It doesn't happen quickly. So the way that they normally do it is that they, they stop loaning as much money, so businesses have to tighten up because they can't acquire financing for new projects. They can't go to the bank and say, hey, we want to buy this piece of equipment. Because now, once the, once the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates – the person is now forced to pay a higher rate on the money that they borrow to invest in their business. And so sometimes they say, well, you know what, it's not worth it. I could do it if this project was going to cost me 10000 a month, but 11000 a month, it's not worth it. I'm not going to do it. Because maybe they only have 10% profit margin in the project. And so they decide not to invest in the equipment, which means they don't hire people, which means the guy who's looking for a job has a harder time finding it. Now, it sounds simple. But it's complex when you spread it out over the 330 
million people in this country. And what we don't want to happen is called a wage price spiral. And what that is, is I'm going to try to break it down as simply as I can off the cuff because I hadn't really hadn't really planned on talking about this, but you know how I roll. So the wage price spiral is, wait, hold on. Before we do the wage price spiral, I want to go through an example. Then we'll go back to the wage price spiral. Okay, so let's just say you got a single mom who, single moms are near and dear to my heart. I have a huge heart for them because I had one and I've seen these struggles with my own two eyes. So I'm going to explain to you what inflation does to the working people of America, the hardest workers we have, okay? Inflation affects two people the most, old people who are on fixed income and hardworking SOBs, okay? Here's here's how it works. We've got the single mom. Let's say she brings home $3,000 a month. She's got a kid or two, okay? She spends $1,000 a month on rent. Let's say she spends about 800 on groceries, 400 on utilities, 250 bucks on fuel, and $300 on a car payment. Now, undoubtedly, there's more expenses in there, but let's just run with those. At the end of the month, she's left with $250, and it doesn't that doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room, okay? So let's say that her rent doesn't go up, but her groceries, let's say, say her groceries go up to 9.1% over this time last year. So that puts her, her grocery bill is now $72 higher. Let's say her utilities went up 10%, which... My utility bills have gone up by 50%. But let's just say hers went up 10%. That's another $40 per month. And let's just say her fuel, we know that it's doubled basically over the last year. So her fuel goes from $250 a month to $500 a month. So now her increase in costs are $365 a month. Now remember, she only brought home an extra $250. So that that $168 is going to have to come from somewhere. It's going to be credit cards. It's going to be borrowing. She's going to have to work extra hours. So what does she do? Chances are she thinks to herself, okay, I need to find a better job. I need to make more money. I need to do something. So you have two options. You can either go find a second job or a third job. You know, the, These are the kinds of people who are willing to do whatever they have to do to make ends meet. And if that means dropping your kids off at a neighbor's house before the sun's up and having that neighbor take them to school and have another neighbor pick them up and then you pick them up after sunset at 10 o'clock at night when they're dead asleep and you load them in the backseat and you take them home and you do it all over again, then that's what they'll do. And so she's faced with two options. She either goes and gets a second job and, and contributes more of her time to working or she goes and looks for a job that would pay her more for the amount of time she has to allocate to work. So she goes out, she shops for a job. She finds another job, pays her a little bit more. She leaves the job behind, okay? Now there's going to be somebody who's going to be looking for a job to make a little bit more to fill her spot. But eventually, eventually, spots run out. And so what ends up happening is that people will have to, to pay more than what they were paying to fill that hole. So whenever someone has to pay more to their employees, they have to charge more to their customers. Or the employer can go broke, one of the two. But typically what you see happen is the employer raises their prices to cover the wages that they acquired. And then what does that lead to? That just leads to higher prices, more inflation. Now the, the things cost more for the people to buy. So what do they do? They go out and they find another job or find a new job. And so that's called the wage price spiral. And that is not a good position to be in. Because when that happens, you have what's called price instability. 
Prices are all over the place. They're lowering their prices one month. They're raising their prices. They're every, the market's trying to find equilibrium. And so th- that's kind of, we are on the brink of that right now. We're, we're about getting ready to find out if we're going to have the wage price spiral. And I pray to Allah that we don't, and, and I hope you do too. Because when that happens, businesses end up going broke because they can't afford to pay the people what they need to pay them to work. So then we have unemployment. People lose their jobs. And then when people lose their jobs, they can't spend money. So we have more businesses going broke. And this is how a recession really gets going, is that whenever you have massive job losses, that that's where it all kind of goes south. And we're waiting to see that. We're waiting to see these public companies. They're gonna they're gonna produce reports. You know, they do it every quarter. They say this is how much money we made. This is how much money we lost. This is how many people we're laying off. And once we start seeing those companies losing money, they're gonna start laying people off. And then eventually, what happens is the Federal Reserve says, "Okay, we've got inflation down. We need to turn on the money printer." They're gonna start stimulating the economy, pumping money into it, rehiring until things kind of get back to a balance. But in the meantime, people will suffer. And the elderly people who are living on Social Security, like no matter what, the most they can get is, you know, $2,500 a month or whatever it is. You know, they they can't really go out and increase their income. So they're stuck. So when that inflation hits them, they just got to suck it up and take it because there's nothing they can do. They just have to pay the higher prices. And that's what inflation does. I I hope I kind of explained it well. I know it's kind of long-winded there, but it's basically a punishment for the the middle class or the, the working and middle class and the fixed income people. It, everyone else can can normally get by. All the wealthy people are fine. Well, you're going to increase their food cost by 8%. Okay, so their monthly grocery bill goes from $1,000 to $1,100. I mean, whoop-de-freaking-do. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because no matter how rich you are, you can only eat so much food. But you do start seeing the luxury goods go down in price because people start to get more competitive. So that's how the pendulum swings back the other way. People that are still in business are able to lower their prices to get more sales to keep things going. And then it all kind of reverses course. But yeah, that's it. That's the inflation, the effect that it has on the middle class house calculated in the wage price spiral. So hopefully now you're armed with something new or it makes a little bit more sense. I even see people... In, in, the, in the mainstream media, post things like prices went up 9% last month and they don't understand exactly how CPI works. And you don't have to know everything about it, but just the basic premise, it'll, it'll comfort you a little bit more when you hear these people, the talking heads on CNN screaming at your face. Okay, moving along. Now that you have a PhD in inflation and consumer price index and wage price spiral, we're going to move on to the next topic. So, frequently I bash mainstream media. Why do I do this? Because I feel like they're not journalists anymore. They're seeking profits, which is fine. They can do that. Just don't present yourself as an unbiased domain to present information to people who are curious. Present yourself as a as a one-sided opinion, and then that way people can know to go to both sides. So, here's some proof that I have that these people have an agenda. The clip that I'm about to play was presented by a group called Project Veritas. And what these people do is they go undercover and they catch people, they film them, they video them, saying things that incriminate themselves. They also go and they dig up dirt 
on uh, political opponents, and you know, for the right price, they can go find secrets out of, of your opponent, and they can present them, and you can you can win elections. So, right or wrong, whatever you agree with or disagree with about that, that that's what Project Veritas does. So, in this clip that you're about to hear, uh, they presented a tender date to go out with a CNN technical director. Now, I don't know what a technical director does, but the guy seems somewhat knowledgeable. So they, they found this guy, they targeted him, they set up a date for a girl to go with him. She secretly videoed him and captured the audio of, of what he's about to say. And just, just take a listen, then we'll break it down. We're going to start focusing mainly on climate um, uh, climate like global warming and like that's going to be our next like um, I don't know like what's the word I'm looking for um, it's, it's going to be our focus like uh, like our, our focus was to get Trump out of office right without saying it that's what it was right so our next thing is going to be for climate change awareness so that's like the next pandemic like story like that will yeah that will will beat to death but that one's got longevity you know what i mean it's not like there's a definitive ending to the pandemic or you know like it'll taper off to a point that it's you know not a problem anymore probably think it's going to take years so they'll probably be able to milk that for quite a bit so i know it's bad audio but this guy is legitimately saying who's an employee of CNN, a chief technical something or other director, that they're going to push climate change like they pushed COVID. This this should tell you all you need to know about these people and how they operate. So he said, oh, our goal was originally to get Trump out of office, and then it was to um, COVID. We're going to beat it to death were, were his exact words. This guy works for CNN. He sits in on meetings where they say, hey, guys, um, what are we, we going to push next? You know, we need something to captivate our audience. We need something that's emotional. It strikes a chord in people. We need something that's divisive and gritty. What can we do? And some guy's like, I don't know. How about climate change? You know, we can do that one. Yeah, climate change is good. But, man, COVID was just so good. You know, we were just getting paid by the pharmaceutical companies. We were getting paid by the governing officials. I just those those types of people, they don't need to exist. They because they're willing to drive a stake in us as our, our body of people. They're dividing us in the name of profit. And I just I can't be for that. I can't be for that unless they're saying, hey, we're one sided. Here's our opinion. This is not facts. This is our opinion. But they don't. They present everything with fear and danger in absolute and necessity to act. And it just really is its saddening more than anything else, knowing that people sign up to work and present narratives to people in order to divide them. And so what's the solution? Because I'm a big proponent of not presenting a problem unless you have a solution. So I, I don't know, but I think it would be don't do anything that helps these people acquire money. Don't do anything, and I'm talking about Fox News too. All these people that that genuinely present a narrative in order to split people apart, man, that's just that's a bad, bad situation. I don't know how else to explain. You're very, very bad man. You're a bad man. You know, do this. This bad for you, bad for your country. 
Okay, moving along. Getting rambly again. Beta O'Rourke, now running for governor, just got a million-dollar donation from a guy named George Soros, who's a self-proclaimed socialist, and he wants to turn the world socialist. He's a Hungarian banker, I think. I don't know. He's so old. He's like 98. His face looks like it's melting off. I don't know why anyone takes this guy seriously, but for whatever reason, he's got more money than he knows what to do with, and he just donates it to people to win elections to push his agenda. I'd, I'd be interested to hear the last time this man set foot in Texas, and he just forked over a million dollars to try to win a, help someone win a governor election in Texas. I don't know how much he's given to politicians over the last 5, 10, 15 years, but I bet you it's more than you and 35 of your closest friends will ever make in a lifetime. And I don't know. I'm just I'm just drawing that number out of nowhere. But he gives he gave a million dollars to uh, the um, district attorney, I think of Houston, who overturned a bunch of rules, and now allows people to commit crimes and then go to jail and immediately get released. This is all part of his plan. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think these people have a big agenda of what the world should look like, and they. They do things knowing they'll have an immediate negative backlash in order to push along their agenda. I don't know what his plans are, but for some reason he thinks it's okay to just let people out of jail after they commit crimes before they go to trial. They, it's called, they did a bond reform, I think is what they call it. And there's literally people in Houston that are killing people, going to jail, and then getting let go the same day. I'm not, not a joke. Not a joke. Do your own research. So, yeah, luckily, I'm not too worried. I, I kind of like the fact that Beto's just going to waste this guy's money. I think Beto's already raised $27 million for the gubernatorial election, which will be in November. Now, his his competitor, Greg Abbott, is only a little bit of ways behind him, $25 million. But Greg Abbott lives to raise money. That's what he likes to do. He fundraises year-round, nonstop. He's trying to be president. The guy's nowhere near what I would call a leader, but that's for another day. Either way, between the two of these clowns, they've raised over $50 million. $50 million to win an election. And, buddy, they are not done yet. I'm going to call it right now. I'm going to make a guess. I bet you that by the time Election Day rolls around, they will have raised over $150 million between the two of them. And if everyone's okay with that, if everyone says, well, that's fine. That's just what we have to do to win elections. I question I question everything about you and what you stand for and your morals. What's the solution? Stop giving these people money. And it's easy for us to stop, right? The little peons, the cogs in the wheel. But these huge donors, these big companies, they get something in return. Someone gives $50 million, they're going to get 75 back. It's just an investment for them. The whole thing is rigged. The whole thing is corrupt. And it will probably never change until it collapses. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Speaking of being wrong, did you guys hear that Joe Biden has cancer? Yeah, no, he said it. Here, hang on one second. I'm going to let you hear it. My mother drove us and rather than us be able to walk. And guess what? The first frost, you know what was happening? It had to put on their windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. Can somebody explain to me why you had to use your windshield wipers in the frost to get the oil slick off, but not the summertime? 
That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. What do they have, Joe? Cancer, cancer, cancer. And why can't for the longest time Delaware had the highest cancer rate in the nation? I know. I know. I said I wasn't going to post much more Joe Biden quotes, but man, I can't help it. I, I, who am I kidding? You know, who am I kidding? The guy says that he has cancer from the oil slicks that were on his windshield. Uh, and he remembers seeing it whenever his mom would have to drive him to school and there was frost on the glass. And when he would turn on the windshield wipers, they would smear the oil on the windshield. And that's how, you know, that's how he knows he has cancer. Because anytime there's oil on a windshield, you can rest assured people have cancer. Period. Period. Not a joke. Not a joke. What's the most funny to me? The funniest thing about not a joke. Uh, when he says that, is that when he says it, there's not one person listening who thinks it's a joke. The, uh, there is not one funny thing this guy has ever said. He's not, he just, his jokes don't exist. So for him to say things like, not a joke, I suspect someone told him along the way. Now, Joe, for your consultation this week, we're going to talk about what to say so people will take you seriously. If you say things like, not a joke, you'll reiterate to people that you're very serious and that they don't need to think you're joking. Period. End of story. Not a joke. Well, Brendan, how do you know he didn't have skin cancer one time? How do you know he hasn't had cancer before? I'll tell you how I know. Because in 2021, some stupid doctor they dragged out on stage said he did a thorough investigation and that Joe Biden looks fine and there's never been any signs of cancer in Joe Biden. What are we doing? Why, why are we electing these people? Okay, we're going to do one more Biden clip, then I'm going to let go. I'm going to stop beating the dead horse of Biden for today. But last week we touched on fuel prices and the cause, what's causing them to go to the moon. And one of the things is that Biden has limited the exploration of petroleum fuels. He's made it difficult to drill for fuel. And there's people out there saying, no, he didn't. There's 9,000 permits of people that just won't drill because the greedy oil companies who just want evil profits. Number one. No more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends. Number one. So that clip was from the debate between Joe Byron and Bernie Sanders, the two most foolish people in politics. And if you didn't quite catch what old slurry mouth said, here, here, take, take another listen to this. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends. Number one. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Period. Do you think he's, has he done that? Has he successfully completed that? And here's why it has to be a secret. Because if he came out and he was currently saying, well, yeah, we're shutting down oil production just like I said we were going to so that we'll all shift to electric and battery-powered cars. If he said that, his approval rating would be not only at 31%, but probably zero. So 
people forget that he says these types of things, and he knows that. Well, the people who tell him what to say know that the people forget what he says. But he's literally doing what he said he was going to do. Now, he didn't make a big scene of it. He's not saying, ha, 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 I told you would limit drilling. I told you would curve exploration. But in the back of his mind, and when he's smoking cigars with Slick Willie Clinton, they're saying, oh, well, those people just don't know what's best for them. We'll just raise the price of fuel till they got to go buy battery power cars, and then we'll get rich. So to all the haters out there that have been saying, you don't know anything about Biden. You just don't like him. You're just a stupid Republican. Here's the facts. The man wants to end drilling. You end drilling. You see, he doesn't understand things about the laws of economics and supply and demand. And when you limit the supply of fuel and the demand stays the same, the price is going to go up. But you know that because you listened to last week's show. Okay, the next clip is Donald Trump explaining to the leaders of NATO and all these European leaders, so-called, that they should not be depending on the pipeline that supplies natural gas from Russia to Germany. And if you listen to last week, this will make sense also. Okay, listen, I'm not a Trump humper. I don't care for the guy personally. I'm not a huge fan of his like a lot of people are. But I think he is the best person for our country. And you don't have to agree with me. That's okay. But this is the guy that I would appoint to go negotiate for the U.S. in any matter. In any matter. And you may disagree. You may say, well, I think he'd sell out the U.S. for money. Well, has he done that? No. And I used to would have agreed with you. But then I watched him in office, and I watched the policy that he put into place. And I'm going back, and I'm looking at all the clips from all the things that he said. And he's nailed everything. So this clip is from 2018. It's about a minute long. Well, it's a five-minute long clip. I'm going to play you about a minute of it. So I want you to hear what he's saying to them and think back to last week's show. And maybe you'll think, man, you know what? Oh, Brandon, he he ain't wrong. He ain't wrong all the time. He's wrong sometimes, but he ain't wrong all the time. Well, I have to say, I think uh, it's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. So we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting all of these countries. And then numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. So we're supposed to protect you against Russia, but they're paying billions of dollars to Russia, and I think that's very inappropriate. And the former chancellor of Germany is the head of the pipeline company that's supplying the gas. Uh, ultimately, Germany will have almost 70% of their country controlled by Russia with natural gas. So you tell me, is that appropriate? I mean, we've been complaining about this from the time I got in. It should have never been allowed to have happened. But Germany is totally controlled by Russia because they will be getting from 60 to 70 percent of their energy from Russia and a new pipeline. And you tell me if that's appropriate, because I think it's not. And I think it's a very bad thing for NATO, and I don't think it should have happened. And I think we have to talk to Germany about it. I'm not going to lie. I do like the way he says billions and billions. I always have and always will. So what he's this is from 2018, July 11th, 2018. 
He's sitting across from all these European leaders explaining to them, why are you spending money on Russian natural gas when you, the organizers of NATO, and us, a member of NATO, our main focus is to help protect you from Russia. We don't want to send money to Russia because we're worried about what they can do or what they can control. So why is it that we're spending all this money to protect ourselves from our enemy and at the same time we're doing business with him? And Trump's sentiment is you need to get away from doing business with this guy. It doesn't make sense to put up a huge fence between you and your neighbor so he won't come rob your stuff and then go support his business. I mean, it just it's contradictory. And Trump's calling it out. He gives the reasons as to why he thinks there's corruption going on. But, you know, no, no one listens to this guy. And I was one of them, but I've eaten my words. And he was right about this and a lot of other things, too. So, yeah, so Germany is going to have problems. If they can't figure out how to get natural gas, and if Putin decides he wants to throttle back the pipeline, I think, I don't know, I talked about it in the last show, that they were in the midst of everyone standing around, crossing their fingers and saying their prayers that Putin would turn the gas pipeline back on. Well, he did. He said, I will turn on the pipeline, but if you mess with me, I will to reduce the flow by 40%. That's my best Russian accent. I'm not good. I'm not good at Russians. I'll admit it, but I'm working on it. So Putin said, hey, I'm going to turn it back on, but y'all act stupid, and I'm going to cut it back. And if you want to see Western Europe fall to pieces, cut off their natural gas in the wintertime. I think currently Russia supplies Western Europe with 40% of their natural gas. And if you cut that off or you throttle it back, prices are going to go through the roof. Manufacturing is going to stop. People are going to be sleeping in cold houses. Old people are going to be dying from the cold. The price of natural gas is going to go up, and all of the LNG plants, the liquid natural gas people, will be shipping it all to Europe, and our price will go up too. Because why would they sell it here for less money when they could go sell it in Europe for more money? That's the way it works with commodities. All right, just a couple more topics. I'm going to wrap it. Wrap, wrap, wrap it. Um, the next bullet point in my notes indicates that I shall give a cryptocurrency update. And if you haven't listened to many of my shows, you'll know that I'm a huge fan of cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin and Ethereum, a couple others now. But basically what's happened is exactly what I said was going to happen. A lot of these crypto coins are all going broke. A lot of these exchanges are all going broke. You're having the, the bubble is popping just like it did in 1998 with the Internet. Or, I'm sorry, in 2000, 2001, with the Internet bubble popped. All these companies were running out. They were buying stocks. All these companies were going public. Tons of money was getting dumped in the industry. And then they realized, oh, crap, these companies are not profitable. So we're going to take our money and run. Everyone sells the stock, the stock price falls, the company goes belly up, and we push a big reset button. And that's what's been happening in cryptocurrency, too. The difference in cryptocurrency is that there was a bunch of borrowing and lending platforms that were set up. And what had happened was they would tell people, hey, if you give us your coin, we'll pay you 10% interest just for letting us hang on to it. And so that's what they were doing. People were turning their coins over. They were taking the 10%. Then those companies were taking that and loaning it out 
for 12 or 13%. They'd give me my 10%, keep the difference. Well, what happens when everyone wants their coins at the same time? There's not enough coins to go around. And that's what happened. All these companies are collapsing. People are losing their cryptocurrency. It's a big purge. What do I think about it? Am I, am I bullish or bearish on crypto? Well, that's easy. I'm bullish. Crypto is going to change the way we live. It's going to change the way we do business. And I'm not talking about using it as a currency, an actual currency. I'm talking about the, the blockchain technology. Go back and listen to some older episodes. I break it down a little bit. But people have been asking me lately, well, how's your Bitcoin doing? I'm like, dude, this is like the third or fourth time I've heard this. And every time you ask me how it's doing, I always say, it'll be back. And then I take a screenshot of that. And the next time it goes up, I send you a screenshot and I say, remember when you thought I was dumb for hanging on to this? Because, you know, every now and then I kind of like to put it in people's face. But now's not the time right now because it's it's down. It's still up about 10,000% from when I bought. So I'm not mad at anybody. But, yeah, it's um, it goes down and it goes up. And that's that's the way that disruptors happen until they become adopted by the mainstream. This is uh this is not the first time something like this has happened when a, when a new technology emerges and they can't get the price action sorted out. That's just a a fancy way of saying until we grasp the way this thing works and all the things it's going to do for us, we don't really know what it's worth. So that's where we are. I think crypto or I think Bitcoin right now is at about 21, 22,000. It's being kept up by traders. So the way that this thing works is you have two people. One guy's hoping it goes up. One guy's hoping it goes down. They're playing against each other. And because of that, they keep the price kind of steady. It just stays at one price. There's no buyers, no sellers. The price doesn't move. If there's one buyer and no sellers, the price goes up. If there's one seller and no buyers, the price goes down. It's the way that stocks work, too. So everyone's kind of just keeping it right around 21, 22,000, which you know, in my opinion, that's fine. <laughs> I remember when it was less than a dollar. So, twenty-one, twenty-two thousand. I'm okay with that. Let's just get the show on the road. I wish people would just start using it amongst themselves. I wish people wouldn't wait for for some governing body to say, "Oh, it's okay. You can use Bitcoin to buy things." I think we should just start using it. So, go out there, get some Bitcoin, contact me, and I'll tell you what to do with it. Because now's the time to buy it. If you're interested, and if you have a little bit of extra money that you don't need, that you're willing to say, I'm going to buy a little just to see. That's my favorite line ever. I'm going to buy a little just to see. And then it's always like, man, my biggest regret is not buying more. Including me. My biggest regret is not buying more. In 2013, whenever it was, if I could go back in time, I'd have sold everything I had and put it in. And maybe I still will today. I don't know. You probably won't be surprised if that's what I do. Speaking of doing bad things, a lot of you have heard of Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House who's ancient and looks like she's built from plastic, whose face is kind of starting to melt off, but she's had some good work done, so it's kind of hanging in there. So her husband is allegedly a stock trader. His name is Paul Pelosi. But interestingly enough, they're worth a couple hundred million dollars between the two of them. And she makes $200,000 a year. You can't turn $200,000 a year into a couple hundred million in a lifetime. I don't care how good of an investor you are. 
unless you have some information that maybe nobody else has access to. And then you can make outsized trades. You can bet big on the long shot because you know it's going to happen. And so to you, it's not a long shot. So this is what's happening right now in front of us. These people, so I talked about it a while back. There's a new subsidy program coming out called the CHIPS Act. And what this does is gives money to the tech companies who build computer chips. Now, I went on a rant about how stupid this was that we're subsidizing the most wealthy companies in the entire world to help them compete with China on our own mainland. But here we are, nonetheless, deciding it's a good thing to give them like $50 billion to help them be competitive with China. Instead of rolling back the regulations that causes us to be uncompetitive, we're just going to give them money. Well, I know you're probably thinking right now, well, what happens when that money runs out? Yeah, I know. That's my point. When that money runs out, you have two options. You either roll back regulations or you send the work back to China. I guess the third option is give them more money, which is exactly what we're doing with the farming industry. We gave them money to help them stay competitive, and it never ended. Well, yeah, but that helps keep the price of crops down for Americans and helps keep the grocery prices low. No, it doesn't keep it as low as if we kept the money ourselves. There would be savings there because the government is inefficient. So we pay them money. They pay out money. But in between the two, between us paying the government and the government paying the farmers, a lot of it goes away because you got to pay the people to process all that money. you got to pay the people to put it in the bank and do the accounting and make sure there's no fraud happening and do all the paperwork for the farmers. So that money gets lost between us and the farmers. Whereas if our crops cost 10% more, would probably come out ahead than paying the money into taxes and letting government turn around and pick and choose who gets that money. That's what's dangerous, is that the government gets to say, oh, your farm gets this much, your farm gets that much. Oh, you gave a campaign contribution? Well, you, we're going to go ahead and let you go into this category because that is literally how it works. And if you ask every farmer, he'll say, man, it's still not enough. I can barely get by. But if we didn't have that, they would get by just fine because the prices would be higher. And we would have the money in our own pockets to pick and choose where it was spent, and the market would be more efficient. But we just we turned a blind eye. Every time we do one of these things, every time we get in bed with a government program, they now have more money and more power and more ability to pick winners and losers and more reliance upon them. And in my opinion, it's not good to rely on a government who gets to pick who gets money and who doesn't. I would rather all the people sort it out amongst themselves. I completely understand that there are people out there who think, well, it's better just to have somebody making decisions because a lot of people don't really know how to do things. And, you know, someone's got to look out for the little people. Well, in my opinion, the little people are pretty smart. And most of them can figure out how to look out for themselves, especially when it comes to their money. But the longer we keep treating people like birds in nests, little baby birds with their mouths open waiting for food, the longer they'll stay in that position. Because we won't ever kick them out of the nest. We'll never say, hey, you got wings, you got feathers, fly your ass around and go find food. We'll just keep saying, hey, can I get some more food? I just got food last week. I want some more food this week. And the mama bird is just going to say, okay, here's more, here's more, here's more. And now the mama bird has control over the baby bird forever. And I just made this entire analogy up. And I hope you appreciate it as much as I do. Okay, I got a couple more things to talk about, but I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it, as George Bush said. 
I'm going to save them for next week. One of those is called the White House definition of a recession. And the other one, I don't know. I can't find it. It's somewhere. I got I got plenty to talk about, as I always do. I'm 52 minutes in right now. Now i got to go edit. It's 7 o'clock. I have not spent a day away from the brewery in like five weeks. It's okay. I'm not complaining. I'm bragging. That's what I'm doing. It sounds like I'm complaining, but really, I'm kind of bragging a little bit. Not really. I'm not really bragging. I'm just I'm just pointing out that if I can't get my normal podcasts up in a normal time, don't give up on me because I promise you I'm not just sitting around. I'm making sandwiches at a brewery. Okay. I appreciate you listening to Life in Paradise podcast. I hope you learned something today. I, I kind of sound like Joe Biden there. I, I went too fast. hope you learned something today. I hope you learned something today. I hope you can take something away to share with other people and encourage them to go do their own research and don't just listen to you and you don't just listen to me and I won't just listen to one other person either. If everyone agrees to not all just listen to people, we'll be okay. We'll be fine. But the longer we stay birds and nests with our mouth open, allowing people to feed us, we will not be fine. So I hope everyone has a great week. I encourage you to go out there, do something nice for someone teach your kids to look people in the eye when they shake their hands teach your kids to say yes sir no sir yes ma'am and no ma'am donate something to someone who needs it work hard and most of all keep it tranquilo Listen,